Thank you, Tony, for reading that scripture. Have you ever seen those help wanted signs? The ones stuck to telephone poles? The ones that are written in Sharpie on poster board? I just saw one recently that said nothing but this. It said hiring 65K part-time and then a phone number. I assume that offer still stands. So if anybody here is in need of a little extra cash, anybody interested? Anybody in? Not seeing many takers. What's the hesitation? Isn't that all you need to know? I don't know. Maybe what's the job? Might be kind of important to know, right? You ever seen those signs? You can tell me what the pay is, but my biggest question is going to remain, what is the job, right? What am I actually going to have to do for that paycheck? Because it matters, doesn't it? It could be anything. Is it mopping floors? Is it testing parachutes? It matters, right? Now, I don't know about you, I don't give those signs a second thought because they don't tell me what I would have to do to earn the money. Because most of us care about how we spend our time. And this reminds me of how we view heaven sometimes. I mean, heaven is out there, it's going to be great, we want to go there, don't we? Well, yes, of course, but what, again, are we going to be doing there all day? Of all the questions people have about heaven, this one is one of the most common. We've heard it from some in the body since we've begun this series. What will we do in heaven? And thankfully, Scripture gives us a lot more than just a few words written in Sharpie. But we continue our series on heaven. Last week, we looked at some common myths about heaven, all of them in some way alive from the enemy to make heaven seem less enticing, to make heaven feel just a little bit more distant. One of the myths we saw was that heaven will be boring. We saw that scripture disproves this myth definitively. Heaven will be a place of unimaginable beauty and feasting and dwelling forever with our creator, the one who alone can satisfy our deepest longings and desires. But part of dispelling this myth once and for all is to look and see what Scripture says we will actually do there. Because for most of us, again, how we spend our time is important to us. So let's get a glimpse this morning of our eternal job description, if you will, and get a good idea of what we'll be doing for eternity. Let's pray together as we turn to God's Word. Our Father, as we just sang together, you are everything And I pray that that would be true in every heart this morning, all those gathered here. Make that be true in our hearts as we turn to your word. Would you open our eyes, open our hearts to the truth. Would you grow our hope of heaven? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I'm going to highlight four things that the Bible tells us we'll do in heaven. The first one will come as no surprise. In heaven... We will worship. Turn, if you have a Bible, to Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7. Worship in heaven. This is probably the most obvious, so you may wonder why I would even need to mention it. 
But it's important that we remind ourselves what worship is so we can get a better idea of what that might be like in heaven. Look at Revelation 7, starting in verse 9. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Well, this glimpse of worship in heaven includes us. Did you notice that? All of God's people from every tribe and nation and the angels with us praising and worshiping God. What's not in this scene? Well, maybe that traditional view of what worship in heaven might be. This scene doesn't even include singing. There will certainly be singing in heaven, don't get me wrong, but even this great passage on worship in heaven lets us know it won't only be singing for all eternity. Because worship at its most basic level means to show honor, to show reverence. We do that in one primary way when we sing to God. But it means so much more. The modern church uses worship and singing or music as synonyms, and I think this is a problem. In other words, we say, I like the worship at that church. Or, I used to go to the church down the road, but I didn't care for their worship. Again, this is a problem. For one thing, we make worship about us, which is ironic when you consider what worship is. As if showing honor and reverence to Almighty God is about my preferences. But it's also a problem because we limit the scope of worship. We limit the scope of worship to just something we do on Sunday, and even then, something we only do for part of our service, our worship service together. Again, singing and praise are a core part of our worship, but so is all the other parts of our service. We're worshiping right now. From the call to worship to the benediction, all of that we do on a Sunday morning together is corporate worship. And in heaven, corporate worship will be just as important as it is now, if not more so. But let's expand worship even further. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. God desires to be glorified in everything we do. In other words, all of life should be worship. All of life should be worship, and in heaven it will be. But again, we need to adjust our idea, maybe, of what worship is. We've been really critical in our series of the view that heaven will just be sitting on clouds playing harps for all eternity. But hey, if harp music is your thing, go for it. I don't think God's going to say no. Have at it. Play that harp to the glory of God in heaven. And you singers, sing. You dancers, dance. The ways we will worship God in heaven will reflect his infinite, multifaceted beauty. And guess what? Our hearts will be in it. Our hearts will be in it all the time. In his presence, we will be swept up 
with adoration. We will be overwhelmed with His glory and want to pour out worship with every breath and word and action. But remember, this doesn't mean an eternal church service. It means everything we do in heaven will be an act of worship. And so really, worship covers everything we do in heaven. That could be our most simple answer to the question, what will we do in heaven? Well, we'll worship. But what do we mean by that? Here's a few more specific things that we will do in heaven with hearts of worship. We will work. We will work in heaven. Just like with worship, we often have a very limited or skewed view of work that affects what we think heaven will be like. You might think of your long commutes. You might think of conflicts with co-workers or managers. You might think of the never-ending joys of Zoom meetings. Just the never-ending slog that work can feel like sometimes. To say nothing of the physical, the mental, the emotional toll it can take on us. But to even begin to think about worship in heaven, we have to start to imagine what work is without the curse. If we go all the way back to the beginning in Genesis, we see that work is a big theme even before sin ever entered the picture. We see first God is a God who works. He worked in creation. And God's first words to us, to Adam and Eve, are this mandate to work. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. So God gave humankind a job to do right from the very beginning of their creation to multiply and to care for God's creation, to work the ground for food. And just a verse later, God says, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And this includes work. Now, of course, soon after, sin enters the picture, and the curse comes along. But remember, work is not a result of the curse. Sometimes we can't get that out of our minds. Work is not a result of the curse. Our work is affected by the curse. Our work can be exhausting. Our work can be frustrating. can feel like we're working in vain sometimes, but it's still part of God's plan. Work is still very good. And one day the curse of sin will be removed from our work. Did you hear it in the scripture reading this morning in Isaiah 65? God gives us a glimpse of the new heaven and new earth Isaiah says, they shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be. And my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain. Isn't it incredible? Right next to the truth Isaiah gives us about the new heavens and new earth, he says, God will take away sadness. God will take away pain. Right next to that truth, God says that my people will long enjoy the work of their hands. Now, even with the curse, sometimes we get a taste of this, don't we? Satisfaction at a job well done, even joy. But imagine that to the fullest in everything we do. 
Nothing we accomplish will be in vain. They shall not labor in vain. What a promise. Revelation 22, verse 3 says, No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will serve Him. We will do it all with a new energy and a strength with glorified bodies. Now this begs the question, what kind of work will we be doing? Well, for one thing, the new earth will need cultivating. Just like in Genesis, just like at the beginning. Food will need harvesting. Animals will need caring for. Some of you have a passion for gardening. I wonder what it says about our view of God sometimes when we think what we really love to do most in this world, we think God's going to take it away from us in the next life. If you love gardening, you will get your hands dirty in the rich soil of the new earth. You will plant, you will cultivate gardens that rival the beauty of Eden. If you're an entrepreneur, if you have a mind for business, a new earth filled with people will have plenty of opportunity for business, for you to use your gifts and your skills for human flourishing. There will be work to do advancing human culture that glorifies God. There will be work to do making art of all kinds that glorifies God. Many of us have passions and interests beyond just our paid vocation. We don't get to do maybe as often as we'd like because maybe they don't pay the bills, but I believe the God who gave you those gifts and those passions will be glorified when you can pursue them in heaven, unhindered. I discovered something about my grandmother not too many years before she passed away that she could write poetry, beautiful poems. I don't think she wrote very much, but she was very modest about it, didn't want to draw attention to herself, but I would always encourage her, keep writing poetry. When she passed away, I had the thought, what a shame, she really didn't get to fully explore that gift. We didn't really see her thrive in writing poetry, but I've since realized that her capacity to write poetry has only increased exponentially in heaven. So I look forward to reading her new poems. Famous author Victor Hugo reflected on his own life's work in light of heaven this way. He said, I feel in myself the future life. The nearer I approach the end, the plainer I hear around me the immortal symphonies of the worlds which invite me. For half a century I have been writing my thoughts in prose and in verse. History, philosophy, drama, romance, tradition, satire, ode and song, I have tried it all. But I feel I have not said the thousandth part of what is in me. When I go down to the grave, I can say, like so many others, I have finished my day's work. But I cannot say I have finished my life. My day's work will begin again the next morning. The tomb is not a blind alley. It is a thoroughfare. It closes on the twilight, but opens with the dawn. He will begin his life's work again the next morning. Because we will work in heaven, we can approach our work now in a whole new light, with an eternal perspective, because our work matters to God. 
No matter how mundane it might feel or insignificant or overlooked, it matters to God. So let's let our work this week, starting tomorrow morning, let it be an act of worship to God, whatever it is you're doing. When you feel some joy in your achievement or in your work, let that grow your longing for heaven. So in heaven we will worship. We will work. And thirdly, we will reign. Now this one may seem the most foreign to us, and yet Scripture teaches it from Genesis to Revelation. We already heard it. Part of that original creation mandate for mankind, Genesis 1, includes not only work, but this idea of ruling, having dominion over the earth. Ruling creation under the ultimate authority of God. Now, it's very right of us to emphasize that Christ alone is king. Christ alone has ultimate authority in his coming kingdom. But just as God never needs us for anything but he invites us into the work that he is doing. It's the same with reigning. It's the same with ruling in the new heaven and earth. In Luke 19, Jesus teaches a parable that those who have been faithful here over little will be given authority over much there. And in the words of the parable, the servants are given authority over cities. Paul teaches that believers will judge the world in 1 Corinthians 6. He says in 2 Timothy 2 that if we endure, we will also reign with him. Revelation 22.5 says the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. And scripture speaks often of rewards in heaven as crowns. What are crowns if not the symbol for ruling and reigning? So it seems we will have a part in the government of heaven in some way, under the authority of the king. Let's try for a minute to imagine human government without sin. might take us a while. But if we can, if we have a really vivid imagination, we could try to imagine what human government could accomplish without sin. No temptation for anyone to grab authority that isn't theirs, No temptation to wield power selfishly, but just to humbly care for what God has put in your charge. So these scriptures, as maybe foreign as they may feel to us, they call us to prepare for these eternal responsibilities right now by being faithful over little, as Jesus said. Being faithful over whatever God has given you right now, no matter how big, no matter how small. Could be your authority or influence as a parent. Could be at at your vocation with other employees. It could be your service over a ministry here at church. No matter how big or small, Christ's followers are meant to handle authority and power and influence very, very differently than the world. Never flaunted, never wielded as a weapon, but stewarded humbly for the good of others. And so we can begin living into that reality now. Being faithful in what God has given us. We will worship, we will work, we will reign, and finally we will rest. Again, we start in Genesis. 
the very beginning, God himself rested the seventh day. Remember, not because he was tired, but he rested. And he soon made Sabbath a huge part of the life of God's people Israel. So resting in heaven is not a contradiction with working in heaven, because this right rhythm and balance between work and rest has always been God's design, and that will continue in heaven. Revelation 14, John writes, And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. Our future hope of heaven includes this promise of rest. Rest from the brokenness and the pain and the suffering we experience in this life. Just think about something that's heavy on your heart right now. Or maybe something that's been heavy on your heart for many years. Could be anxiety about an upcoming decision you have to make. It could be grief over a lost loved one or a wayward child. It could be a struggle with chronic pain. Maybe you just feel with all of life's demands right now, you just feel worn down. You feel at the end of your rope, an eternal rest is coming. Rest in heaven won't be just doing nothing. We've already touched on in our series much of the restful activity that we can expect. Fellowship with God and one another and saints who have gone before us. Feasting and celebrating Enjoying the beauty of God and his creation. Now this rest was pictured in the Old Testament as Israel made it to the promised land. It was described as a rest. But this rest was only a picture because, of course, we know it didn't last very long. The author of Hebrews writes in chapter 4, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. So we enter this deep, ultimate spiritual rest by putting our trust in Christ. Putting aside our striving, our self, our self effort to get right with God ourselves, we put all of that aside and we rest in the finished work of Christ. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, these promises of eternal rest are offered to you freely by grace. Jesus said, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. As believers, we can forget this so often. We can so easily try to live life in our own Strength, forgetting that we need Christ's provision. We need his strength to both work and to rest rightly. How is your work-rest balance these days? Some of us have to be really, really intentional about carving out space for rest. Some of us struggle to even feel guilty when we rest or when we relax. But we have to remember, God is a God who rests. God commands his people to rest. Rest is an act of worship. Rest is a statement of faith. But it's not all up to us. And so take some time. Maybe carve out some intentional time this week, maybe beyond what you normally do, 
and set that time aside for rest. Maybe it's taking a nap or taking the family out for an outing, just enjoying the beautiful weather, meditating on these promises of heaven, but try not to get sucked into something mindless, flipping through social media or whatever it might be for you. Do something restorative. When you do it, let that rest point you to the eternal rest that's coming. Just as most of us would hesitate to take a job without even knowing what the job was, in the same way we hesitate to really long for heaven without a clear picture of what we'll even be doing there. So let's let these scriptures that we've seen this morning form in us a more concrete picture. Let's let these scriptures that we've seen stir up our hope because heaven is not an end to our lives here. It's a continuation. It's a perfecting of our lives here. It's the fullness that God has intended for us. That should impact what we do every day. It should impact our worship. How we show up here and worship corporately together. How every act of life throughout the week is worship. should impact how we work, how we steward our authority and influence. It should impact how we rest. The prophet Isaiah writes, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. Would you bow with me? Our Father, our prayer this morning is that you would grow our faith to long more for heaven. I pray that something in the scriptures we've looked at this morning would plant a seed in our hearts and that would grow, that we would have more of a concrete picture of the glory of being with you forever, being with one another forever, worshiping and serving you, reigning with you, resting, all the things we will do for eternity that Scripture in all its richness is just a glimpse. So help us to see all of our life as worship. Help us to rest in the finished work of Christ in all that we do for his glory. Amen.